Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations from me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hey guys, I'm so excited to have Emily here with us today. Um, She is the owner and founder of Early Roots Therapy, and they're based out of Colorado, but I think that she helps many people, and I've heard her on some podcasts. I've been so intrigued by what she does. So Emily, I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Awesome. Um, My name is Emily Roper. I am a certified midwives assistant, and I am a neurodevelopmental delay therapist, so my primary job, I work with children who have all sorts of different developmental delays. I um, mostly focus on things like primitive reflexes and early um, developmental problems like visual motor skills, balance and coordination, all kinds of stuff like that. So I, I have a private therapy practice based out of Colorado Springs, but I also work with families all over because I can do some remote work too. Love that. Now, I would love to hear, like, I have just been hearing more about like primitive reflux, not reflux, reflex. I apologize. Um, that just came out wrong. Um, but I'm so curious about like how all of these things, like, I think I know some of it from my like psychology class in college, but then I don't know. I'm, I've like heard that some things get stuck and then like there's delays in those things and yeah, like, get people out of it. Tell me more about just kind of the reflexes in general. Yeah. So kind of the short version of reflexes is that babies are born with a set of reflexes called primitive reflexes, and they keep those for the first year or so. And then those reflexes should kind of integrate and develop into more advanced brain systems. And it's important because babies are born relatively early in the developmental process, so they don't have a lot of control when they're born. They're underdeveloped and these reflexes and these body systems help them to survive during those early years and then it also helps them to develop other skills so it helps them to develop their visual skills to understand the left and right sides of their bodies to develop good social connections and emotional control but there's a lot of things that can happen during pregnancy during the birth process, and then during that first year after birth, it can interrupt that process. And so what you can see is older children whose primitive reflexes haven't developed properly, and then you see this kind of negative domino effect of brain development down the road. And it can affect all all sorts of areas, so social-emotional development, academic development, um, all, all kinds of areas. It affects focus and attention, all sorts of things down the road. So when you go in and work with somebody, like what, what does that process even look like? So am I, are you looking for like, okay, they're stuck here and we need to work this out and develop this reflex. Is that how that works? Yeah. So it takes, yeah, I take them through like a whole battery of tests that look at reflexes, eye development, um, balance and coordination skills, understanding of left and right, all kinds of things like that. And then we figure out where they're stuck. So what the kind of earliest point is in development where they got stuck and then take them through 
individualized plan that targets those different areas. And the idea is that we kind of domino into the rest of the brain development. So for a lot of kids, they're stuck in a really, really early stage. Um, one of the main reflexes that I work with is the MORO, which is the infant version of our fight or flight response. And that one really should disappear or it doesn't really disappear, but it kind of changes into a more advanced stress response. And that happens early in infancy, like three to six months of age. And so a lot of kids are stuck in this early stage and then they have very hyperactive stress response and that kind of dominoes into all kinds of other areas. So poor emotional development, poor social regulation, it really can affect focus and attention and their ability to filter sensory information and process sensory information, and all kinds of things like that down the road. It's so fascinating to me. Now, the fight or flight when they're three months old, I hear that and I'm like, well, they're not going anywhere. Like, where are they? What does that look like when they're three months old? So I don't know if you spend much time around newborns, but if you have and you've seen them, they'll startle and their like little arms will jump out and they kind of, yes, um, that physical characteristic is the moro. Um, but internally, their stress response is also more sensitive. So when they have that moro reflex, they have a more sensitive stress response. So they're more sensitive to light, to noise, to touch, and physiologically, they have a bigger reaction. So when you see older kids like that, they tend to have sensory either sensitivities or they can be hyposensitive and not respond to things. It throws off the way that whole stress response develops. Um, it affects, obviously, emotional maturity, and their ability to regulate um, their emotions, their ability to be flexible, to transition, kind of all of those things those parts of their body are functioning much more at a newborn or young child level than age something that's age appropriate. What are things that happen that get kids stuck in those areas? Is like I automatically think trauma just from the adoption standpoint. Um, but are there other things that? Yeah, I mean, trauma at any stage is a big risk factor. I mean, it's probably one of the most common things that I see. And obviously, I mean, that makes sense. If you have this kind of hyperactive stress or you have this normal stress response in infancy and you experience traumatic things, it changes the way that your brain processes um, emotional information. It changes the way you respond to emotional information. And when that trauma happens early, like in pregnancy or with the birth process, um, then that kind of shifts the way that whole part of your brain develops from that point on. And so I see a lot of, a lot of trauma um, creating problems specifically with the stress response, but also other complications. I mean, trauma is really broad, um, but birth complications, like forceps, vacuum delivery, cesarean delivery, um, medical problems for mom during birth or during pregnancy, all of those things are risk factors. So during the birth process, babies actually use reflexes um, to help them kind of be born vaginally and to navigate that process. And so not only are they using their reflexes and they're participating, but that process helps to strengthen their neurological system so that it, they function and kind of transition well from going into this like fetal life to going into newborn life. And they have to respond differently because they've got gravity, they've got sensory information, 
They've got to kind of take over a lot of their own body functions. And the process of labor and birth helps them neurologically to make that transition. And so when you have complications, when you have a cesarean delivery, things like that, it affects the way that that process works. And so you have babies afterwards that don't, or that may have problems with their reflexes and other areas of development because that birth process got interrupted. And then the same thing with... No, it's not a guarantee. I mean, you typically, if we have a whole screening questionnaire that we go through that asks about risk factors, and typically you need several before the brain kind of can't cope and you see long-term problems. And we don't really have a magic ball. We can't tell, you know, okay, this is going to tip this kid over the edge or this kid's going to be okay. And, you know, you usually see multiple risk factors and then all of a sudden kids can't cope and they wind up in my office. Well, this would, I mean, like, I feel like you saying that, I'm like, oh, this would explain why my six boys that I birthed cesarean all have sensory issues. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Okay. What are some other, like, reflexes that get stuck? And how does that affect later on in life? Yeah. So I would say the moral or stress response is the number one that I deal with. I see it in so many kids. It seems to cause the biggest problems. But there are definitely others. Well, wait, before you do that, I'm so sorry. Can we go back? How do you even begin to work through that? Is it like, like what kind of therapy do you do? Yeah, so we we use physical exercises that target different parts of the brain and body. Um, So physical exercises that target the reflexes, that target things like the vestibular system and the proprioceptive system. So it's all done physically. And then in some certain cases, we'll add in some social things too. So I work with a lot of adopted kids. Um, A lot of them come with certain attachment problems and difficulties just because of their history. And so a lot of times we have to incorporate in social things, um, bonding, attachment things in order to help with that process too. Um, Most of the therapy is going to fall under like physical, the physical exercises, Um, But there is definitely a social component. And then there's other health components that come along with it. A lot of kids have gut issues. A lot of kids have immune issues. And so there's a lot of times we're incorporating things like that. And I don't deal with those things. I refer out. I have people that I send kids to if they have gut issues and immune issues. And so we're trying to always attack things from every angle that we can and really take more of a holistic approach so that we're working all of the areas that are affected. Yeah. I mean, my my focus is very much on primitive reflexes, on this early physical development, um, but that's not really the way that the brain and body work. You know, we, even though as professionals, we kind of specialize, the body doesn't really specialize. It's all connected. And so we want to take as much of a holistic approach as we can with kids. Yeah, I know that can be so exhausting. I mean, as one who's tried to tackle every single therapy all at once. I'm like, that's so exhausting. Yeah, it's hard. And for a lot of kids too, they can't do, you have to move slow and you have to be careful. They can't do lots and lots of therapies at once. You have to kind of slowly integrate things and, um, you know, figure out where the root of each of these are. Sometimes the root is more neurological. Sometimes it's more gut. Sometimes it's something completely different. And so you want to just really be careful with kids and make sure you're working in the right spot and you're not doing too much or too little. It's it's tough. Yeah. So I know that you may be a little biased here, so we're going to 
keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see this falling in? Like a lot of the kids I know that are adopted, mm-hmm. special needs, like speech therapy, OT and PT are kind of the main guys. So yeah. after an evaluation with you, would that be something that the exercises or whatever that you recommend, could that be something that they work on in PT? Um, so most done for you. Yeah, most PTs and OTs don't have a lot of primitive reflex training. So they if they do, they've gone out and gotten it um, elsewhere. It's not really part of the core um, PT or OT training. So hopefully one day that'll change and that will be something that they can incorporate in. But PT and OT typically focus on different things than I would focus on. And so sometimes, depending on where kids are at, it's very complementary. So I have a lot of kids that are doing um, things in OT and PT at the same time. Um, and that can be great because they're working on a different area. Sometimes, depending on what's going on with a kiddo, we need to to kind of pull back and focus on one thing at a time. And then it would really depend on kind of what's the priority for parents and then also where are they at developmentally. So I always like to start and at the earliest point that they're having breakdowns and work up. So sometimes that's primitive reflex stuff. Sometimes it's just getting family life under control. You know, if there's a lot of marital discord or if home life is unstable, then obviously you have to start there. Um, but PT and speech can be, um, PT, OT, and speech can all be very complementary. I have a lot of kids that are in um, speech therapy at the same time, some that are in OT too. Okay. And I know this is going to be very dependent on each child, but where do you feel like this kind of falls in on each thing? So all the caveats, whatever, but like, do you feel like this primitive reflex, if we can get this under control, then all these other things like PT, OT, and speech will work better and faster and more efficiently? Yeah, typically. So if you're doing primitive reflex work, that's going to be in the developmental spectrum. We're looking at early infancy. So before a lot of the other motor skills, fine motor skills, those types of things come in. Um, And so a lot of times if you work on the primitive reflexes, some of those OT things are going to come in on their own. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes it doesn't domino, they get stuck, and then you need to kind of work in that area too. But it really, OT is broad and they work on a lot of different things. They work on a lot of life skills and things like that. And sometimes that is not something that's going to come in by itself with the primitive reflex work. Um, so there, there's definitely some overlap and some things that are very different. I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> it does. Uh, it feels like more like a we're stacking blocks and we got to figure out which block is yeah. next. And Exactly. And sense. with speech, it depends. Um, I see with working on primitive reflexes, I see a lot of emotional and social communication stuff come in. Uh, I don't necessarily see a lot of like speech clarity stuff. come in, uh, And it, it really depends on kind of how the, the mouth has developed and how well their motor skills, their oral motor skills are. Speech can be really helpful in bridging those connections and making those connections. And they go way more in depth into that area than I ever would. So I definitely see language, communication, speech, things improve. Um, But if you have a child that's really struggling with that speech, they're going to need some speech separately. Okay, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage. 
the rest of your family or the systems in your home. Or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Okay. I, I just have a million questions for you. I feel like I'm all over the place because I'm I'm That's so it. intrigued by this and I can't yeah. wait to sign my kids up like every single one of them for an evaluation. <laughs> um, but let's talk about, cause I know that these things, like while we see them early infancy, I um, make it that they're developing already in the womb. Yes. Right. So at what point did these things start developing? And is, if that, is that a place where, I mean, let me rephrase that because I know that it's a place where the trauma can tra- trauma can happen, especially for our adoptive buddies and um, like our three have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So I'm sure that's kind of messed up things, but how do you even go back and start healing all of that? Is it the same uh, process? It is the same process. So I would say a, a lot of the stuff that we're doing for working on the stress response is kind of fetal life type stuff. If okay. That makes sense. So the moral reflex develops, I can't remember exactly when, but it's within the first few months of pregnancy. And prior to that, babies actually have a different stress response called um, the fear paralysis reflex that you only see during like the really early, early fetal time. And so theoretically, it's possible even for kids who experienced really early trauma to still kind of be stuck in that fear paralysis response. And I don't know that we really have very accurate ways of testing that because that reflex should only be present during early stages of pregnancy. So, you know, when there's no gravity, when babies, you know, in suspended in fluid, they don't have any postural skills or anything like that. So, but I've had several kids that I suspect are stuck in that really intense fear paralysis mode. Um, and so work on things the same way, still target things physically in those cases, typically we're doing a lot of social things too, a lot of like safety type things and really reducing the stress and the trauma, um, making sure these kids feel very, very safe so that they can kind of move out of that survival stress mode and into like a thriving and growing type mode. But a lot of these reflexes develop in, well, they all develop in pregnancy. And so you can have problems with the way these reflexes function at that stage. So risk factors would definitely be things like alcohol exposure, drug exposure, even prescription med exposure can affect the way that the brain develops. Um, Stress affects the way that the whole nervous system and brain develop Um, any sort of, sickness for mom during her pregnancy is that can affect those things as well. And so a lot of these things start in pregnancy and then they're exacerbated by the birth process. They're exacerbated by things that happen in infancy. So these poor babies are just coming into the world with a lot going on, especially, you know, the kids that I see 
on um, that are adopted, typically they've got a whole history of lots and lots of different risk factors and traumas, and they've had hard lives for a good chunk of their early development. And that really shapes and changes the way that their brain functions. And that's not something that you can just put them in a safe, loving environment and all of a sudden it's fixed. There's all these things that happened down the road that you have to kind of go back and help them heal. And it's a very complex um, process. It's very slow, um, but it's really amazing to see when kids start changing and developing and uh, feeling secure and safe. And it's fun. I'd be okay if you like invented a machine that just like probed their head and you could just stick them too. And they're like, they're better. They're great. Everything is like caught up. Wouldn't I'd be rich if I could do that. You really would. I'd give you all my money. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, okay. So what are some other reflexes besides the, is it Moro? Moro. Yeah. Okay. So probably the second most common reflex that I see is called the ATNR. It's the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex. And this is one where when babies turn their head to either side, the arm and, and leg on the side they're facing extend and the arm and leg on the other side bend. And this is one that they use a lot uh, during the birth process to help them navigate being born without their shoulders getting stuck. So when their head is moving, it's creating asymmetry in the body and helping them to not get stuck. And then after birth, it's helping them to develop visual motor skills. So when their head is turning, they tend to fixate their vision. Um, and newborn babies can't see very far. So their vision is only you know, a few inches. And by few, I mean about six to eight. So they can see if you're nursing them, they can see from you know, uh, the breast to mom's face is kind of about the distance that they can see. And they don't have very good tracking skills at this early stage. So they're developing the ability to focus their visual attention and hold it. Um, and, but this and this reflex is helping them do that. Uh, as this reflex is disappearing, they start to begin to develop the ability to track so that they can follow something that's moving or they can move their eyes in a straight line um, and they have better control over their vision. While this ATNR reflex is present, it kind of creates this invisible connection between their head, their eyes, and their hand so that they can't really use their eyes in a very effective way for tracking, for following things. Um, it also kind of creates this invisible barrier at the midline of the body so that it's hard for them to use the two sides of their body in a really effective way. Um, so it's developing some skills, but it's but while this reflex is there, it kind of prevents the development of other skills. As this reflex integrates and babies develop more advanced movements, then they develop the ability for tracking, for hand-eye tracking, and to use their eyes in a more advanced way. So this is really kind of the academic, call it the academic reflex. It's one that I see a lot in kids that struggle with reading, with writing, sometimes with math because of how it affects the way that they understand direction and the way that they can move their eyes. And for something like you or I, understanding direction is pretty intuitive. We don't really have to think about it a whole lot. But for these kids, that's something that they have a hard time with. And so reading becomes very difficult because reading is just very subtle changes in direction. The difference between B and P and P. 
G and D are all very subtle changes in direction. And if that's not something that you really understand intuitively, it can be very difficult to pick up those subtle differences when you're reading, especially when you're learning something new, especially when you're trying to read something to learn, not just read something to read. Um, and so that's that's a big one that I see with a lot of academic problems. And with any of these primitive reflexes, you almost always have other problems that come along with them. They don't really happen in isolation. So most of the kids that I work with also have problems with their vestibular system, which is a little piece in your ear that helps you kind of know where you are in space, know what your head is doing, know what your body's doing. And your vestibular system connects from your ear to a spot in your brainstem that also connects to all of your other sensory systems. So it connects to your eyes, it connects to all of your muscles and joints, um, and it has connections to and from other parts of your brain that help you to kind of process all of your perception. So what's going on in your body, what's going on in the environment around you, all that information in, and then it goes to different parts of the brain to help you make sense of, help you interact with the world around you. So when one of those is off, like the vestibular system, it can throw off all of those other areas. So it can throw off your understanding of your own body, your understanding of the environment, which kind of then trickles into lots of other areas. It affects how you understand social skills and how you understand nonverbal body language and nonverbal communication. It affects how stable you feel. So there's a big emotional component that comes with it and feeling safe and secure, which when you combine that with trauma or a stress response that's off, it creates a whole lot of issues. And then obviously it affects academics because it affects our understanding of space, of direction, all those types of things. So there's, lot, there's just lots of different connections. Um, that are all happening during those early infancy stages and kind of all work together to either produce good optimal development or you see problems later on. I mean, this makes me want to go back to school. So <laughs> fascinating. No, I love it. It's very it's interesting. I would love, I realize I'm a little backwards in doing this because normally people tell us their story at the very beginning, but I would love to hear kind of how you went from doula and birthing and all of those things too. I mean, it, it makes sense to me, like hearing you talk about this, but I'm like, what clicked for you where you're like, I wanted to take this a step further and go back to school and do these things. Yeah. So actually I've kind of been on both tracks uh, for most of my life. So I first found out about NDD therapy when I was a teenager, I think I was uh, 13 or 14. And my cousin had, he had a lot of developmental problems, went to a lot of different specialists, and his mom finally found a lady in Colorado, actually, her name um, is Anna Buck, and she did this therapy. She's retired now, but my cousin went to see her, and he started making huge progress, and it was like a kind of a breakthrough for him. They'd done so many different things for years, and this was the first thing that like really clicked and started to make a difference for him. So I witnessed that when I was like 14, 13 or 14, and I was interested then. Um, and then I always struggled with anxiety as a kid, um, with some like hyperactivity, some focus issues. Um, I, my mom started homeschooling me in the fourth grade. So I kind of, I did okay because I didn't have to function in a classroom. Um, 
But by the time I got into my teenage years, it had really developed into like a full blown anxiety disorder. I had an obsessive compulsive disorder and I was really struggling. So I actually went to see Anna Buck, went through the therapy and it completely turned my life around too. So I would say no more anxiety, definitely no more obsessive compulsive problems. Um, So I've been like, I've been sold on this since I was a little kid. I've kind of been on this journey for a long time. Um, And so I went when I was in my undergraduate program, I came to I was in Oklahoma and I came to Colorado to intern with Anna over part of a summer. And while I was there, her daughter was pregnant and uh, she's using midwives. And so Anna was talking to me a lot. You know, everybody was talking about the new baby coming. It was her first grandbaby. So it was a really exciting time. And they were talking a lot about the upcoming birth. And Anna was telling me how midwifery care and birth are so important for this process and in preventing these types of developmental problems. And I, my mom had actually had me at home. Um, so I'd always like known that there was something a little, there was different options as far as midwifery care goes. I was always a little interested in kind of the birth side of things. So when I came back from that internship um, in my senior year of college, I became a childbirth doula. So I got to attend a few births just because I was interested in it. It was exciting. Um, Why not? I'm already in school. So I attended a few births. And then once I graduated from my undergraduate program, um, there was an opening in, at a birth center in Oklahoma. They had an opening for a new um, midwifery assistant student. So I started in with them. And the, the qualifications to get into my postgraduate program are an undergraduate degree and then five years of professional work experience. So I didn't have the full five years. And so they said if I would do some additional midwifery training, I could get in um, you know, just to round out the education. So I did that program, um, and it, that's a two. The midwifery assistant program is a two year. So a year into it, I also started the postgraduate program um, through the Institute of Neurophysiological Psychology. So I was kind of doing all of that at the same time. Um, and they all—I know they're very different fields, but they all kind of intersect. And like they're not, they're not, and that's so cool. That it's so beautiful, like how it's all created, and yeah, and it also makes me feel like I'm all my kids are screwed, like. The C-sections <laughs> and the stress and the adoptions and like all the things were crude. Um, I know. But I'm glad to find you and that there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did the midwifery assisting. I've continued. I still do that part-time. I just love it. I love attending births. I love working with moms in the postpartum period. Um, and then I, uh, once I graduated from INPP uh, in 2016, I opened Early Roots. So I do that primarily what I do, but I also do assisting. Just because I love both and keeps life interesting. (laughs) Just in case there's any like pregnant mamas listening, besides trying to do a vaginal birth, if it's Mm -hmm. in their power and control, for me, it was not. Um, So besides that, are there other things that you can do as a mama to help kind of bring these reflexes in? I keep saying reflux and I'm so sorry. Reflexes (laughs) in. That does not roll off my tongue like reflux does. Um, Like in the birthing process and then shortly after? Yeah. So, I mean, biggest thing is taking care of your health. Um, Health and your stress levels. Stress levels are big right now. We've got a lot of moms with anxiety, with depression, a lot of moms in high-paced, or high-paced, fast-paced world, I can speak. 
Um, so reducing stress levels is really important. Taking care of your physical health, your nutrition, um, you know, taking care of yourself when you're pregnant takes care of your baby. Making sure you're getting good fats, good supplements, you know, all of that. Um, and then picking a good care provider, one that's going to support whatever decisions you want, one that you trust that's going to do the things that you want to do. Ideally, one that has a low C-section rate, low intervention rate that, you know, is only doing those things when they're necessary and not just because they're convenient at times. Um, if you have the option and if you, you know, are, are low risk enough to use midwives, I strongly recommend that because they take care of babies in such a holistic way. And they think about the baby's experience during labor, during birth, during that early infancy period. They really do a lot of preventative care as far as nutrition and health, things like that go. So that's something you can go to them for instead of having to do all that research on your own. Um, and just trying to keep things as normal and healthy and natural as possible when it's possible. It's not always, can't always be the case. And there's lots of good resources. Um, there's lots of good midwifery resources. Obviously if they're listening to this, they're podcast fans. There's a great podcast called the birthing instincts podcast. Um, it gives people a lot of information. I'd check that one out. So huh. I'm done having babies, but I might go check it out yeah. because it's so fascinating. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Emily, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah. Um, you can find me. I'm on Facebook. I've just got on Instagram and then I also have a website and it's, uh, early roots therapy. So my website is earlyrootstherapy.com. You can find me, um, on Facebook or Instagram under early roots. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on and for educating us and for sharing. Yeah. So I'm really grateful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful talking to you. You're so welcome. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.